Well, good morning once again. If you're wondering what these guys are doing up here, we're doing something different today. So this is going to be a little bit of a unique service. Now, we oftentimes, I often preach through books of the Bible, verse by verse, and uh, we're going to be getting back to that in the new year. Next week, we're diving into the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be in a series that's going to take us up through the end of the year, looking at the hope of Jesus in light of a crazy world we live in, and that's going to bring us up to Advent a little bit later as well. Some amazing prophecies in Isaiah. Winston, Winston loves Christmas. I love Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. I've already decorated. Nuh-uh. That's I gross. No. Who's with me? My people. Thank you. Everyone else will no, pray the, for I'm you. I'm the bad guy. But the joy of the Lord will strengthen you. <laughs> All right. Well, if you've been coming for a while, you know these guys. They're three of our other pastors here at the church. These, this is really um, the primary teaching team here. And so you've heard Winston. You've heard Jason. But uh, since you don't hear from them as much, now you're, you're originally from Louisiana. I am. And they have like a weird thing you do down there. Like, it's, There's a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, tell <laughs> me the one that's like the one. Gigging? Like, is it gigging? Gigging. Who knows what gigging is? Oh, okay. Right, if I get right. it wrong, don't tell. Gigging, <laughs> gigging is uh, you, you basically get some friends in a truck and a spotlight at night and you get to the ditches, you know, and you spot the spotlight on the ditches looking for frogs, big old bullfrogs. Once you find them, you jump on them, and then the next part's sad. Yeah, well, you, you knock them out first, and then you eat their legs. <laughs> you just take a bite. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and what do they taste like? Chicken. Chicken. See, everybody says that. I'm not sure I believe they it. They do. But... Yeah, yep. they're really good. Thank you. Wow. Now... You've heard a lot of Jason's stories, but uh, tell what us that something have to do we, we don't know about you. About. Well, okay, so a minute ago, uh, Tim, Tim warned me. He's like, I'm going to ask you, like, did anything weird happen in your childhood that, like, we haven't talked about? And I was like, I'm the most vanilla person. Like, I, I have the life that we've all had. But it dawned on me, one of my favorite things whenever I was a kid, um, my granddad grew up in the Depression, and so he kept things, like everything. And I didn't realize that that was a little um, different than the culture around me uh, until I was older. So when I was a kid, we would go out in the desert and we would find the places where people had dumped their trash. Like people would just go out in the desert and just dump stuff. That was like uh, Easter egg hunting for us. <laughs> we would go out in the desert and like look through people's garbage and like find treasures. And uh, so we were treasure hunting uh, when I was a kid out in the desert in the garbage. Wow, that's a wow. special memory. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I've uh, never been gigging, and uh, I, I used to look for rocks in the desert with my family when it's, I was a kid. It's not like that. Yeah. And I've been snipe hunting. I've taken some people snipe hunting, and if you don't know what that is, don't tell them next to you, because we might need to take them snipe hunting sometime. So. Um, anyway, hey, for the last four weeks, we've been talking about something that is really core to the mission of our church. We've been talking about the mission of our church. And that is moving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Moving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And really, that's just our condensed way of expressing the heart of the Great Commission. 
We've been talking about the Great Commission quite a bit over the last four weeks and how um, we as a church and as individuals are called. This is what Jesus gave us, the task he gave us to accomplish. Why you don't just meet Jesus and he beams you right on up to heaven. And, and here's what he says in Matthew 28, 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In other words, we're, we're not just uh, making converts. Disciples are people that learn to mimic and become a, a devoted apprentice of their master of Jesus. And he says, in this task, you're not alone. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so really the heart of this whole series has been, as a church, our heart is that for each one of us that calls this your home church, that you would become a disciple who makes disciples, who goes on to make disciples. That we as a church would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so as we've... Uh, Really worked on this quite a bit, and we did a consultancy with a group called Replicate out of, uh, out of Tennessee, um, and we, we really came up with four different roles that we think are a way to help you remember uh, what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples. There's four roles that, that disciples live out or embrace or grow into in their lives. And, and these, we're going to be talking about these a lot more as we go forward as a church, bringing them up whenever the scripture is applicable that we're teaching. But the first one of those that we looked at in this series was a responsive follower. And that's someone who can say, I am daily seeking God's direction and choosing to obey. This is someone who's seeking God in scripture. That's a consistent part of our life. What does scripture say? What does the whole counsels of scripture say? And then also seeking to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we're being led by him daily and then obeying the things he's showing us and teaching us. Um, we have an available friend and this is someone who consistently prioritizes friendships by keeping room in my schedule to connect with people. This is someone who makes time for people on a regular basis in their life who looks for those who are hurting in their circle around them. Um, we have a, a ready guide. This is someone who says, I am prepared and looking for opportunities to help someone else grow in their relationship with Jesus. Who asks questions like, who am I discipling in, in my life? Who in my circle around me is ready to be discipled? And then looking for those opportunities to help others move and grow in their relationship with Jesus. And then we have a life on mission. And this is a person who sees their everyday life. We looked at this last week. I am living my everyday life on mission to share the good news of Jesus. Someone whose life is just oriented towards seeking first the kingdom of God. Who's praying for others. Who's praying for those in their life that, that asking what's the next step I can take in sharing the gospel with those in my life. It, who sees their, both the stuff they've been given by God and the time and the relationships as something that can be leveraged for the kingdom of God in their life. And here's why we think this is so important. Because we think of a church like ours, our congregation, really embraced these four things. If each one of us individually really embraced these four things, it would change our community. We really believe that. And we believe the ripples could go on to change our world. And so what we're going to talk about today is how, how we hope our church, Life Community Church, can help each of us grow into these four roles and become a disciple who makes disciples. And what we're calling that this, for this uh, talk and what we're going to be referring to as we talk about this in the future is our discipleship pathway 
here at Life Community Church, our discipleship pathway. Uh, Friday, I took my son up. He's got a, a youth cow elk tag. And so we went up to the Grand Mesa uh, looking for an elk. And we, uh, this one, we were just hikers, not hunters, this trip. Uh, we just hiked, right? Anybody else identify? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a lot of um, days like that growing up with my dad. My mom just called us great hikers. So That's, how, that's like my story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, I took my son up on Grand Mesa hunting, and there's this, a couple sections where there's a clearly defined path. And, you know, the, the branches in the wood are cleared out. And those were a lot easier to get to where you're going. We had certain waypoints we were trying to get up to where we could look for the elk. And then we took this one trail, and it got too rough. And so we're like, we got to cut up to this other trail. So we bushwhacked for a while up through the dense oak brush, and you got branches grabbing hold, and it was so hard to get to the place where we needed to be. A pathway, a clear pathway makes everything easier, doesn't it? And so as a church, we've worked really hard as a leadership team to come up with, hey, we want to help you understand, like, this is how our church wants to partner with you to become a disciple who makes disciples in our lives. And so to help us get there, why don't you check out this little video? Oh, hey, how's, how's it going? It? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I've been meaning to ask you. You've been coming for a while. Yeah. But what do you think? Um, well, I really love worship. It's awesome. Okay. Um, there's a lot of friendly people. Um, I do shake a lot of hands and do a lot of smiling and stuff, but um, I do feel like that there's maybe something deeper, maybe something I'm not getting. I don't know. Sure. You know, I, actually, I think it's... You're in a place that I think a lot of people get to. I think a lot of people eventually get to the place where they realize just coming to service isn't enough. The reality is there is more to what we do here. And so uh, it sounds to me like you're ready to take the next step. Uh, what do you mean? You know, what are you doing for lunch? I'm free. Well, why don't I show you? Cool. Okay. So thanks a lot for bringing me up, man. This is really cool. Yeah, man, I'm glad you could come. You know, what I've noticed is like, I've never met a Christian that thrived in their faith alone. I, I don't think that God wants us to do this Christian life alone. I, I think that God designed us to be around other people. This is the way we're supposed to do this. Like community. Yeah. I didn't know you were an actor. The writer strike really influenced <laughs> how all of that worked out. <laughs> all right. Hey, so here, here's the thing. We're, we're using a metaphor to describe our discipleship pathway. And everybody knows probably we live at the foot of the largest flat top mountain in the world, Grand Mesa. And some of you have been on hikes up to Grand Mesa or driven up Grand Mesa. And so we're using the metaphor of a hiking trail. And when you go hiking, you usually meet up at the trailhead, right? There's a, there's a rallying point, an assembly point. Maybe you're meeting some friends at the trailhead, and there's a moment. But the trailhead is just the, the beginning of the journey, isn't it? It's the place that's there to help champion and get you to the, to the, to the destination. And so really in this metaphor, the trailhead here at Life Community Church is our weekend service. That's where you're here today. 
And really, the, the, you know, the discipleship pathway begins with people who, who gather here together as we celebrate Jesus, as we worship him. And, you know, I think a lot of you are here because you have that heart of a responsive follower. That that's how a lot of you landed here. You, you, you're passionate about learning scripture, about, you know, seeking God in scripture. You want to see your kids grow and encouraged in our different environments that encourage their faith and our, our youth grow towards Jesus. Uh, you're, you're here encountering Jesus, getting baptized, taking steps of obedience and experiencing God, connecting with God in a deeper way in worship. And we really, we love these environments because it, it, can, it creates a real connection point. In fact, worship is a place... W- where you really connect with God, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I love about worship is I think in in the Old Testament, the word usually translated to bow um, or to uh, worship is this one Hebrew word that can also mean to yield. And uh, I love thinking about worship in that way, that it's a a place that we come and yield before God. Um, Kind of much like of you know this viewpoint one the the parking lot kind of idea not just uh, not just in our relationship with with one another but also with God it's a stopping place to kind of yield and to consider what's next yeah so there's some amazing moments I think as you actually um, seek God in these moments as you hear His word as you respond to Him in worship He He moves in our hearts and you see people afterwards there's there's a sense of community here and that's a great that's a great thing in fact some of that's really intentional like cookies. Um, this is a place where everyone belongs, right? Yeah. So uh, hopefully you guys have all gotten used to us having cookies um, uh, and pizza if you've ever come on a Saturday night. We do things around here on purpose so that you feel like we want you to be here because we do. We want you guys to be welcome. Uh, and a lot like the, the parking lot at, um, at a trailhead, like I, I spent a long time of my church experience in, the, in just in the parking lot because sometimes it's such a great place to be tailgating, just chilling out, yeah. hanging out. <laughs> Grab a cooler, just hang out at the parking lot of, you know, looking it's up at the trail. Like, this parking lot's great. <laughs> <laughs> and part of that is, like, this is a place where we gather, where, where everyone is invited. In fact, for those of you maybe that are here and you're just checking out God, Church, and the Bible, um, we're really glad that you're here. This is a place where you can belong before you believe, that you can get your questions answered. This is a place for those of you that are followers of Jesus where you can invite your friends that don't know Jesus yet, right? This is a rallying point. But here's the thing. It's possible to come and be really consistent with coming on the weekend for a long time and actually still find yourself in a place where you feel like I am not connected, where you don't have really anyone in your life perhaps that you can call and ask to pray for you when life starts falling apart. Some of you, um, you, you come, but this is the only environment that you know. And because of that, you don't really have many deep relationships, mm-hmm. gospel-focused relationships with other people in your life. You feel like, I'm not connected. Winston, would you read us that Acts passage? Yeah, sure. Were you going to say something? Well, so I, what I think I didn't realize whenever I was younger... Like, if we're using this analogy of, like, we're in the parking lot of a trail, I thought coming to church was the thing, right? Like, I, I, was right. That, I didn't realize that I was at the base of a process that would get me closer to the, the thing. And so, I think for me, I was usually just satisfied being in the parking lot because I didn't realize that that was a starting point. I thought it was right. an end point. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of, I think, what we're going to talk about just feels like kind of the 
the culture of church or this is just what you do as church you think of it as as one thing instead of is this leading me somewhere or is this what is this getting to i remember actually i just had this thought i remember as a kid uh i was a very deep thinker and i remember uh I grew up in a baptist church and uh, loved the church had a ton of friends but i remember having the thought of like when is summer break from church <laughs> is this forever <laughs> cuz i just saw it as like like school or something, but I think um, I think what we kind of want to talk about today is this pathway, not only of of community but development as a disciple of Jesus. But the first viewpoint here, this parking lot idea, I think uh, as we read Acts two, this is Acts two forty two, and this like this is the like all Christians think of what what church could be and could be like. This is probably what they think of. This is that aspirational, hopeful. What if church was like this? It says they devoted themselves. This is all the disciples after Jesus. Is um, uh, risen from the dead. The church is gathered together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together uh, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together, one in the temple courts. And they broke bread also in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think when you think of um, uh, the solution to this problem of I'm not connected here in the parking lot, it brings us to, well, if I'm just meeting in the temple courts, but I'm not breaking bread in homes, then there is a missing thing uh, in our relationships. And so that's what I, I love about this section is because it kind of highlights that they're not just doing the weekend service thing. They are also meeting in each other's homes. They're um, selling their stuff. We should we should sell all of our things, and we should. <laughs> um, but I think that is that is like the aspirational goal. That is the the hope that we could be that one as a church. But if all it is is just the parking lot and not feeling connected, how are we ever going to be so united to actually reach and, our world? And this scripture comes after Peter's sermon, where a couple thousand people come to Jesus. Right. And so this really is a mega church as they're gathering in the temple courts, but then they understand the, the vital role that smaller connection group environments play. And that really is the second viewpoint as you're heading up the trail is that you would, you would find when, you know, you, to connect in a deeper way, you need to find a smaller group environment. Right. And we have lots of different smaller group environments here. You know, actually, most of the commandments in the New Testament, you know, are lived out in the context of one another. Around here, we call that one another-ing. And we've really worked hard at creating some other environments where you can connect. In fact, a lot of you jumped into a, a five-week life group. Yeah, thank you. For this series. Yeah, but it's, it's difficult, though. Why I, is it difficult? I think, I think there is a, a difficulty in making extra time for something like a small group or one extra thing when our lives are already so busy. But I, I think the motivation, at least for, for me, when I think through it, I think there's this, um, I don't know, like walk you through these, these two examples. You have the calling of Peter, who Jesus says, come with me, and he says, yes, like use my boat, 
do whatever, I'm in. Um, and then there's the story of the rich young ruler who uh, wanted to follow Jesus, but the cost was too great. He had to sell all of his things to follow Jesus. And I think the, the problem with a lot of us is we want the story of Acts 2, we want the yes of Peter with the availability of a rich young ruler. And so I think just like with anything in life, whether it's working out or gigging, or <laughs> uh, it's, it takes uh, a decided effort to make availability in our life, kind of calling back to that role of the disciple, the available friend, to decide. And, and yes, it's like, man, if you're too busy, we'll be available. Like, is that the solution? But no, like if you look at this aspirational goal of, man, what could our community be? What could God do with me in my life? And then me with my community, um, then I think only then when you get a picture of what it could be, then that availability of like, okay, if, this, if I'm not connected and my next step is groups, it's, it's finding a, a smaller group of people to do life with and share life with. What are some of those environments? You oversee groups and discipleship. What are some of those environments? Well, so um, we had a thriving life group ministry five, six years ago. Uh, COVID happened, it kind of changed that, and we're trying to ramp that back up. And so life groups is what we would consider the, the premium answer to the question, I'm not connected. Uh, we'd love to see you guys get connected in homes on a weekly or bi-weekly rhythm where you get to actually know people. And so we're, we're trying to ramp that back up. Maybe we asked you for a five-week commitment and we meant it, um, but if you've joined one of our five-week groups and you love it, and everybody in the group loves it, and you guys want to keep going, do that. We'd love to see our life group's ministry take off again uh, and flourish. Um, but also, we've got a men's ministry that has a couple different options. They have a Bible study that meets uh, once a week. They have um, some smaller groups that we'll talk about in a minute. And then they get together every month in a, in a larger group setting. And the women have the exact same thing. They have, uh, they have their own version of life groups called Beyond the Table groups, which are a monthly group where you go to somebody's house and you spend a couple hours uh, just getting to know each other. And then they have their monthly bigger event as well. We also have the bigger church stuff. I found that some of the, my favorite moments of getting to know people have been you know, down at the beach at the river while we're waiting for fireworks or out here having pizza after a Saturday night service. Like sometimes just when we slow down and we're not in a hurry to leave, those are the moments sometimes that make a big difference too. So the point is prioritizing being available and making connections. Right. Yeah. So I, I had my life group yesterday morning. Um, and I was exhausted. I had gone out of town. I came back in the middle of the night. I, I didn't want to go. And afterwards, I was debriefing with my wife as we left the group. Um, something in me switched from having to go. When I was done, I, had, I got to go. I realize now that like, some of my favorite times during the week are the times that I spend with you guys out in these smaller environments. But it doesn't feel that way going into it. At first, it feels like I have to. And after you've tasted it and it's actually good, you go, wow, this, I got to do that. Right. And when you lead Zao, which is a smaller environment for college and young adults, right? Yeah, yeah. So when we started Zao, the college group, we, we kind of started it in this um, kind of copy-paste environment of, of this, just on a smaller scale. Um, but it felt like something was missing. And so one of, one of our church members opened up their, their house to us. And so we've been meeting there. And the great thing about having a weekly connection point for our young adults is the just the... Um, if connection is the point, the, the amount of vulnerability that we're able to have and the, the deeper discussions we're able to get to because we're in a smaller group has, uh, has just been really um, uh, extremely helpful in the sense of bridging that connection gap because it's difficult actually to get connected if you're only coming on the weekend. It's true. It's true. Now, 
For some, it's like getting in, just getting into a, a group where you got some great connections meets a real need in your life. And, and that can take you a long ways. But for so many people, at some point, you get to a place where um, even though you've got good connection, there's a sense where it's, I'm just not growing. I'm just not growing in my life. Check out this video. Hey, are you ready to go? I am. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, man. This is really awesome. Yeah, yeah cool. There's one thing, though, before we go. I feel like with my Christian walk or my Christian life, I just feel like that, um, I feel like there has to be more, and I don't know what to do. Mm. I've got some ideas. Okay. You like hiking? Sure. Let's go for a walk. Okay. Hey, nice to meet you guys. Okay. See you later. Nice meeting you. I think a lot of Christians um, feel the way that you do. I, I think a lot of people know that they're supposed to go somewhere with their faith. They're supposed to do something. And I think they also struggle with this idea of not knowing what to do. Mm. So we feel like we're supposed to, but we don't know what to do. And I think that actually makes sense to me because it's kind of like hiking. It's like, how do I know where to go if I've never been there? Right. And so I think it makes the most sense when somebody who's already walked the path comes back and walks with you and, and, and takes you along the journey. Sure. But there's another problem. That only really works if you're really committed to it because nobody ever just grows by accident. Christians don't become the person that God is calling them to be accidentally. We have to want to. And so it takes some commitment, it takes some accountability, uh, and it takes being willing to walk that path for a while. Does that make sense? It does, yeah, that makes total sense. You think that's something you wanna do? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let's keep going. All right, cool. This is the way. All right. Chop for that log. Dude, wait a second. This is a little tough, isn't it? Well, yeah, man. It is hard, but it's worth it. Becoming the man that God has called you to be is not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. But this is what I meant when I said it takes commitment. It's, it's moments like this. It, it's the commitment to push through what's hard. It's the endurance because it's worth it. That's what we do in moments like this. Let's keep going, okay? All right, all right. You know, life in the Christian walk is always better when there's someone who can encourage you, help guide you, um, help spur you on. There's a phrase called iron sharpening iron. 
And this is, so this is really, we, we want to help you become that ready guide in your life that can help others do the hard things. Because there's going to be seasons you run into in your Christian life where it's not easy. I remember um, in, uh, in high school, I told you, I think the first week of this series, I told you about my friend Brian, who was a, one of our youth leaders. He was a school teacher. And he, he gathered myself and two of uh, my other buddies together, and we had a discipleship group together, and we held each other accountable, and we had some great times, and we prayed for each other, and that was one of the significant early markers in my life, the significant early encouragements to follow Jesus, and it stuck with me ever since. And so those, those kinds of relationships are vital in our, our life. And really, the this third viewpoint on the route here is something we're calling replicate groups. Replicate groups. These are smaller environments. Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, so for the last uh, year or so, we've been piloting these replicate groups. But even before that, the, the women's ministry for the last three or four years was, was doing discipleship groups and actually kind of started the ball rolling here. Uh, and we've learned some things. Um, we've learned some things that I'm going to talk about in a minute. They're sort of the specifics. We're going to get down to the nuts and bolts of it. But I think a great passage to help us uh, understand why we do what we do is found in Luke 24. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, there, there's some um, famous things that happened around Jesus' resurrection. Uh, he, he comes out of the grave and he, and he runs into Mary and the women at the, at the tomb. And we always talk about that one at Easter. Uh, they go back, they tell Peter and the, and the guys. Uh, and then there's that moment where Thomas doesn't, he's not sure what he, what he believes until he sees Jesus. Stuck between those stories is this really compelling one on a road to Emmaus. And what I love about it is in the pinnacle moment of human history where Jesus had solved the problem of humanity's sin, the day that he came out of the grave, the most important day in history, you think maybe he had some important things to do. And yet he slows down and he walks on a dusty road with two guys. And he doesn't even let them know who he is. It's like he's cloaked his identity and he just shows up next to him. And he, he says, what's, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, where have you been? Right? Like, don't you know what's going on in Jerusalem? Our Lord, we thought he was the one who was going to, to solve and redeem Israel. He, he died. They killed him. Now our, our women in our group, they think they've seen him afterwards. We don't know what's going on. And then in verse 27 says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so the Old Testament, mm -hmm. he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over, and so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? How cool that their Savior, who had just accomplished the work, would slow down enough to make sure that they understood it. But did you notice that like, he could have just shown up and been like, oh, right? Like, he could have just been like, I'm back. Instead, he chose to take them to the scriptures because he wanted their faith to be rooted in something they could go back and study and understand. And so for us, we have these replicate groups, and, and they are built around studying 
the word. Winston, you, yeah. you, you've been helping us pilot some groups. You've got one going on right yeah, now. Yeah, well, before, you, before we talk about that, I think something you said earlier just kind of hit me. Like, um, app, it, it is interesting. It's because uh, we, we, we define importance in our own way. Uh, you know, if Jesus comes back from the grave, he would have something really important to do, right? But then what he actually decides to do doesn't diminish the importance of what he did. The fact that the first thing he decides to do is to walk with two, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to walk with two, a smaller group, and to reveal scripture to them. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know, it, uh, just the way you said it made me realize, man, the importance that Jesus actually placed on this should we decide to see it as extremely important. Absolutely. And I think we, we chose throughout this series to to focus on, because uh, we called it Everyday Disciples. We were trying to focus on some side stories and people that, it was like attainable, right? But of course we would look to Jesus for the ultimate example, right? right? Jesus was the ultimate discipler. And I love that even Jesus, the God of the scriptures, the word incarnate, still chooses to take his guys to scripture. Right. So what makes replicate groups different from some of our other group environments? Okay, so the, the nuts and bolts. Um, we want it to be uh, an ex- a moment of accelerated spiritual transformation, right? And so in order to get that acceleration, it's pretty intense. So what we're asking you to do, if, if you're to that point where you say, I'm not growing, this is our answer. What we're asking you for is a one-year commitment to a group of somewhere between three and five people, and it's gender-specific, and you're going to study the Word. And, and we've got a couple reading plans picked out that we'd like you to, to try out so that as a church, we're kind of having similar conversations, even if they're on slightly different timelines. Uh, we have three or four that you can pick through. Um, but in, in the groups that I did last year, we went through the entire New Testament. And so what you do is you're studying at home. You're going to read a chapter a day and you journal. We have a process that teaches you how to get out of the scripture, the same kind of process that we do whenever we're preaching. And then five days a week, you're, you're studying and in the course of a year, you got the entire New Testament. You know, we, we used to do something at church camp where we pretended this was like, um, I don't know, a, a while ago when I was a kid. And we pretended like, you know, we were in a communist white. country and we couldn't meet. So it was underground church. But it's a good, good thing is like if, if we lost our freedom to gather together in this big environment, would you have the tools necessary to feed yourself, um, to be a self-feeder of scripture and seek God on your own? And be like, um, we see this group in Act called the Bereans that didn't just hear a message, but they knew the scripture enough. They went and searched scripture to see if what the guys were teaching them was true. And that would be our heart for each one of you. Yeah. I, I grew up in church, and, and I grew a lot in church, coming to church. And maybe that's your experience, too. But uh, I had that. I've also been to Bible college. I have a degree in the Bible. And still, in this last year, I grew a ton just because I had, it was like the perfect pace. I got to slow down enough that I was only covering a chapter a day, but I dug enough that I was getting a lot out of it. And so I grew a ton. But it's not just the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Also built into the rhythm of your, of your meeting. You get together once a week. Uh, we're asking each other what the Lord is doing. What are you hearing? We even have moments where we pause and we listen for what God is saying. Because what a cool environment to actually tune or sharpen that skill of listening to what God is doing. And then we hold each other accountable to that, right? And so it's, it's, it's actually this really great environment. I've made some of my best friends in this process, but I've grown at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's been amazing. Now, you, you don't have to, like, number one, we never arrive <laughs> in our walk with Jesus and our growth. Number two, you don't have to be 
feel like you have it all together to start one of these groups. Right. Um, you just need to be a step or two down the path, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense that we're, we're looking for mature believers who are willing to step into it, but I don't want you to disqualify yourself and say, well, I need to be discipled first, because sometimes you already know more than your friends know, and you're going to grow together. We need people that are willing to say, I'll, I'll hold us accountable to the process. Right, um, and then of course, if you have some theological questions that you guys can't answer, we have we're we're here. We're available to resource you for for those kinds of answers as well. Um, the the big thing for me is that our definition of what discipleship is at Life Community, it's kind of long, but we say that we are intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. So if we're not doing it with the Word, we're not doing it right. If we're not doing it under the guise of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're, we're not being guided by Him, then we're doing it wrong. If we're not holding each other accountable, then we're doing it wrong. And if the point of it isn't to produce more faithful followers of Christ, we're doing it wrong. So for many people, um, if you start one of these groups, which I, I, I know a lot of you, and I know you're very equipped to do that. And so we're excited. We hope a bunch of you will, will jump on and start a discipleship group and gather a few other, other people. You can't just sign up for one. You have to either be invited into one or you got to start one. It's, it's That's like kind of how it works. It's like exclusive. It's very organic. It's or okay? underground. <laughs> so but we, do, we have a starter church guy. Church wasn't weird enough already. Yeah, <laughs> it got weirder right there. But, but yeah, these guys have developed an amazing guide for you to help you do that. And so we hope a bunch of you will say, you know what? I feel like maybe that's what God's calling me to do. Um, and who are we looking for as you're looking for people to start one of these groups with? Who are, who are you looking for? So we, we use an acronym. Uh, we say the word faith uh, and each letter means something. But it, to be honest, it's not for everybody. Not everybody's ready to go to this. If you're not at the place where you're saying, I'm not growing, if it's not bothering you that you're not growing, you may not be ready. But the people that are ready are faithful. They show up to things already, right? They're available your schedules have to match. You have to have some room. We all talked a minute ago about availability being a problem, yeah. right? Um, you're intentional. Are you the type of person that does things on purpose or on accident? Are you teachable? And are you hungry? And here's that hungry one is the hard one because as a discipler, I want it for my friends more than they want it for them. Right. And it doesn't work. We need to do this with people that are actually hungry to grow because what we, if you're going to make it a year, if you're going to have this high accountability, if people are going to have the right to speak into your life, you need to want to grow. Yep. That's like Peter when uh, he was available to Jesus. And it started with the small steps yep. where Jesus said, hey, can I use your boat? Okay. And then when Jesus called him to follow, he was in. He, he wanted what Jesus had to offer. I want to be a fisher of men. So um, for many of you, if you get in one of these groups, you're going you're gonna to grow a lot. But you'll come kind of to the end of this, this year and be like, okay, um, I, I want to keep going with this. And really, you're going to find yourself with a sense of, I'm just, I'm not done. I know there's more. And these groups aren't an end in and of themselves, are they? No, but the, I think the tendency, though, is if that's the moment where, let's imagine that you've done this now for a year. And you've grown more in that year than you've ever grown. You want to hold on to that. And that actually is a self-defeating thing. I mean, it's good, it's good for you, yep. but it may not be good for the kingdom. Yep. So check out this video. Careful. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Whoa. Dude, this is amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? Yeah. I gotta tell you, that was tough, but this, it's totally worth it. This is amazing. This is totally cool. Yeah, I love it from up here. Wow. I actually, the views, it helps change my perspective, right? Okay. It's so easy to be in the trees and just be focused on the trail, but getting up here really reminds me of my place and everything. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, uh, there's a point where eventually you see the bigger picture and, and you can kind of see what God's doing and you start to see your place in it. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, we're gonna stay though. How long are we gonna stay? While or? You know, when I first got here, I wanted to stay up here too. Yeah. Um, and then I realized as I was looking out, my friends are down there. And so I think everybody that gets here has to kind of make a decision. My, my hope is that now that you know the way, maybe you'll go grab a friend and invite them show them how to get here. Not everybody goes that way, but my guess is that from here you can tell what your next step is. So really, it's up to you. So the replicate group is not an endpoint. It's a viewpoint getting you to the place where you really figure out what God's wired you up to be. And so really the last viewpoint is that you would, um, we're saying lead, but really what that means is figuring out what God's wired you to do and, and do it. And so you would be asking the question, what's next? That, that there's a what's next sense because God's calling you towards something next. And uh, that's why we're calling the, the replicate groups replicate groups, not just discipleship groups, is because there's a sense of this doesn't just stop. This isn't a cul-de-sac where I've, now I've got my two or three people and we're just going to meet together for the rest of our lives. The, there's a replication. That's becoming a disciple who makes disciples who make disciples. That's how our church reaches beyond just our circles into our community. And that's how the ripples go on to change the world. And so for some of you, you know, the next step actually is to come back and get involved and serve in different areas of the church. Lots of you. I hope you, you do that, that you would be leading. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're, you're joining the staff of the church. Um, for most of you, it means volunteering and being involved in an area, helping serve, helping, helping uh, um, dive in and equip other people and reaching into the lives of our kids and youth and, and sharing the love of Jesus with them and impacting their lives. I mean, we need a lot of people. We need more of you to be like Brian was for me and to actually say, you know what, I'm going to give an evening of my week so I can hang out with some middle schoolers or high schoolers and help them move toward Jesus. So there's those groups. For, for many of you, it's um, going on, if you go through a replicate group, to, to lead another one. In fact, we're going to ask everyone that, that goes through a replicate group, would you please at least lead one? At least gather three or th you know, two or three of your other friends and find some other people and do this again. Because that's how the process works, right? So some of those, a lot of those doors are in the church, but it's not the only avenue. In fact, here's what we know, is God has specifically wired some of you up to reach into the community, to reach into, and I know we already have a lot of you that are doing this. We've been talking about this for years and years, that we want to help you, inspire you to get to the things that God's placed on your heart. 
And, and I've watched that over the years as many of you have stepped into things in the community or taken your passion for a hobby and turned it into a nonprofit. I've got a buddy that did that around hunting and fishing, right? And, um, taking what God's given you and using it to impact, make an impact for his kingdom, to serve others. For some of you, he may be calling you uh, to be missionaries, actually, or to become vocational pastors, even. Yeah, in fact, um, one of the guys in one of our pilot groups, he hasn't even finished his, his group yet, uh, but he feels called into the ministry. And so we're working with him on, on, on an on-ramp, you know, a step between the two. Right? But because he was in this discipleship group, this replicate group, he knows his calling now. He got baptized last night, he right? He did. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And his discipleship group baptized him. They were all there. It was really... Uh, a really cool moment. Um, so some of you, this is, you know, this is the life on mission thing. Really, when you get this, this is when you really begin to pray and go, okay, God, my life's all about you and your kingdom and reaching others for you and making other disciples. Show me how to do that. Um, there was a guy, uh, we, we had this, uh, a bunch of Zoom calls. We did a consultancy as we were working through this whole process this year. And there was a really cool story of someone, I think, in Georgia or, some, or Tennessee, right? Um, and this guy actually took his, he felt like God was calling him in a different direction. Right. So, so essentially, he, he graduated out. They had finished their year. Um, and at the end of that year, um, he was convinced that God wanted him to start a business. He was into CrossFit, um, but he was also into Jesus. And so he opened a CrossFit gym with the ex express purpose of witnessing to that community. And so he runs discipleship groups, they call them discipleship groups, replicate groups, out of the gym with people who don't go to church. He introduces them to Jesus. And then once they get to know Jesus, he's like, hey, uh, we do this thing on Tuesday night. We're getting ready to start a new, a new round of it. Why don't you join me? This is beginning to see your life as intentionally having kingdom impact. Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I impact? Who can I move towards Jesus? Um, Paul perhaps uh, says it best in Acts 20. This is sort of his life mission statement, and I love it. Check this out. He has this recognition, and this is toward the end of his ministry as he's about ready to go back to Jerusalem and then end up in prison in Rome. And he says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, they've been telling him, you're going to get arrested, you're going to get arrested. He goes, you know what? doesn't matter. The thing that's most valuable in my life is completing the mission God's given me. And you know, there's going to be a time for all of us when all the distractions, the things that keep us from being available, they're going to be cleared away. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus... There's going to be a moment when he returns, when you stand before your Savior. And the most important thing in that moment, after you answer the question, is he your Savior to begin with? Have you embraced what he's done for you? Is what have you done with the life he's given you? Are you, are you going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? That's what I want to hear. And I, and I know you, that's what you want to hear. So we want to invite you into this journey some of you, you're, you're doing a lot of these things already. Others, you're just, um, you're in the parking lot. You're at the trailhead. And God has some incredible things in store for you as you begin to become a disciple who makes disciples. Would you stand? We're going to close a little bit different way today. 
Because as we've been talking about, we talk about so regularly, we saw in Ephesians, you are the church. The vocational pastors are just here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And actually, it's through doing that work, Jason highlighted a couple weeks ago, that you, you grow into maturity. And you, and you become that disciple that God's calling you to be. You don't become that and then do it. It's, it's a learning process, and you grow by doing and so we want to commission you to be disciples who make disciples in this valley. And some of you way beyond this valley. And so um, what we're going to ask you to do is just reach out a hand. Um, they did this thing in the Bible um, where people, you would lay hands on people and it was like a commissioning, right? Well, we can't lay hands on all of you. There's a lot of you out there. And so what, we don't have that long of arms either. So, um, so what I want you to do is actually just place a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. That you would place a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. It's okay if you turn around. <laughs> and we're just going to pray a simple prayer of commissioning over you. That we would, my challenge is, would you become a disciple who makes it disciples? Would you take that seriously? Would you ask God what that looks like in your life? Jason, why don't you start us praying Lord God, we recognize that this may be a, a turning point in our church or in the history of our experience with church. We want to live into the truth that the church is not uh, the staff and it's not the building and it's not the brand. It's the people that are here today. And so as we become disciples who make disciples, God, we want to ask that you would bless the work, that you'd bless the workers that everybody here today would have a, a sense of your calling and your purpose in your kingdom. And, and for some of us, it's, it's, we're at the beginning of that purpose. We're at the beginning of understanding that. And for some of us, we know exactly where we fit already, God. But would you bless the work that we have committed to doing and bless these missionaries to their own lives as we are sent by you? Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill us all. Holy Spirit, come. Make the difference. Make the impact. Our lives are the soil, God, and, and we want to plant and we want to water, but we're asking you for the growth that you would help us reach our friends, help us reach our family, our neighborhoods, our workplaces for you and for your kingdom and for your glory, but that you would also help us grow up and that we would grow into who you've called us to be. You know, Lord, we also want to just stand against any feelings of inadequacy or, or fear um, just as we take on this role of what it is to be a disciple who makes disciples. Lord, it was your idea uh, to make us your hands and your feet that you chose to continue your kingdom through us. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us with boldness as we obey your call, Lord? Lord, I just ask for the person here that maybe feels inadequate, that you would encourage them by your Holy Spirit right now that they can get in the game. Yes. Lord, whatever the past looks like, that they, would, that they would get in the game of following you, using their life for your kingdom. Would we together be a congregation of people, a movement that would reach so many in this valley for you? And may the ripples go on to change this world, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.